scripture memory verse tonight, Philippians 2, 4. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Philippians 2, 4. Anybody else? Good job. Anybody else? We got a King Jameth. Philippians 2 4. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Philippians 2 4. Good job. Anybody else? the Tyra version. It was real close, sweetheart. <laughs> you had the gist of it. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Lana 2-4. No, it was really close. Uh, thank you. <laughs> we'll be going to talk to you later. Uh, yeah, it's interesting, and we were just joking about it, but it is interesting. Just like the interest on money. And men are really happy to look out for your interest on your money. They want they want your money, but they're not concerned about your welfare. And I just said that just a minute ago. It's a very important thing to think about in our world today because God is not concerned about your money. God is concerned about your welfare. So he come and died for you. He come to save your soul. And then he wrote down what we should be doing and how we should be living. And that's really the context of this letter. And, and you have to gain this because in the context of this letter, it's written to the church at Philippi. Paul is in prison in Rome. It's one of the prison epistles. And the book is called a book. This is the title we put on the book of joy. Here's a man that's in prison. And it doesn't matter where he's at because he knows he's in Christ. He's in the perfect will of God doing what God has called him to do. And he's writing a book that's called a book of joy to people who are free. See, because freedom really is about the mind. It's about who you know. Rest and peace and, and all of these things come from who we know, not where we're at, not what we have, not about the money. It's, not about, it's about the souls of mankind. And that's why it's so important to understand that we can say all we want that we know Jesus but if we're not obeying him, then he says, why do, you, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things that I do? How can you say you love me and you don't keep my commandments? You know, and, and I was talking about this yesterday with somebody. Listen, when you believe in Jesus, that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That's a marriage ceremony. But that's not the same as loving God. Think about this long and hard because we have a world that's upside down, that's destroying marriage, destroying God's first institution, the, the institution of marriage with Adam and Eve, and we're destroying it. But really, we'll say, oh, I love you, let's get married. And we really don't love. 
See, love is the thing that grows in a relationship. Love is something that's experienced as you spend time together. Love is when you begin to die to self and you lay down your prerogative and your interest to help take care of the interests of somebody else. That is how you grow in love in a marriage. And it's over a long time. So you can believe in God and not love God. You can believe in God and not obey God. You can believe God and never, ever really become part of his household, married to him. Because marriage is, is a place, an institution that teaches us authority. It's an institution where there's a head and, 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 and there's, there's uh, one who's being submissive. And those two people actually have offspring that are being trained and taught. And they should be trained and taught by the way the parents live. They should be trained and taught not by just word, but by how they live. How does, this, how does it go in Acts chapter 1? When Luke begins his treatise to, to Theophilus, he says, Of all the things that Jesus began to do... And then to teach. See, actions speak louder than words. He began to do it before he taught it. And because he was doing it, then it was able to be caught by the children of God who were led by the Spirit of God to do the will of God. So obedience is a huge part. And that's why, I mean, in this text here, do you guys remember this text? How it happened in, in Acts chapter 16? Do you remember what was going on? Think about it, because this is a servant of God. He's writing a letter from the missionary journey where they wanted to go into Macedonia and the Spirit wouldn't let them because they had a relationship with the Spirit. And so in a vision at night, he has a, he has a vision at night while he's asleep, uh, and, and many believe it was of the Macedonian jailer. And what happened? They went into Philippi. Excuse me, he wanted to go into Asia Minor, not Macedonia. Couldn't go into Asia Minor because the Holy Spirit said no and restrained him from it. And then there was an open door to go into Macedonian region, which was Philippi, where this is at. Let me get that clear for you. And what happens when they get there? They meet a lady that's having church beside Lydia. And, and they meet Lydia. They're having a prayer meeting by the water. But as they're going through the city, and this one girl keeps following them. And this girl is possessed by a spirit of divination, fortune-telling, and keeps going behind them, going, these are the servants of the Most High God! These are the servants of the Most High God! And Paul put up with it for the better part of a week, and finally he turned around and said, in the name of Jesus, come out of her! See, the word possession is the word echo, and it was echoing, and that's what we do. We echo with our actions and echo with our words what possesses us. And is it the spirit of God that possesses us? Or is it some other spirit? What are we talking about in our lives? But when they cast this demon out, her masters got mad because they made much money. Again, we're back to money. They made a lot of money. And so they threw them in jail. They laid hands on them and threw them in jail. And so they were like freaking out in jail. And they were scared to death. And they were like, what are we going to do? And they are chained to the wall. No, they were in jail Paul and Silas, and what were they doing? They were singing hymns and praying because it didn't matter where they were at. Just like when he writes this entire letter back to them to thank them for the gift that they sent to him when he when he was they sent some money to him and, he's, and the gift and helped take care of him while he's in prison. It, it, it's it's a, a, an amazing thing that they cared so much about him. But what happened? They're singing. Praises to God, even in the fact that they're in prison. 
They're praying. They're trusting the Lord. It doesn't matter where they're at. And all of the other prisoners are listening. Listen, why is that? Because Paul was looking out for their interest. Not just his own interest. He could have been yelling, I'm a Roman citizen. You cannot lay hold of me and just put me in jail and do these things. But he trusted God in what he was doing. And so he begins to pray and sing songs, him and Silas. And what happens? An earthquake happens. The whole jail is shaken. The doors fall open. And even the prison guard that was outside who had been sleeping was getting ready to kill himself. And Paul ran out and said, don't lay a hand on yourself. We're all here. They didn't even have a desire to get away because they were listening to the word of God. They were praying. They were singing songs. And they were all of one mind, concerned about one another. And that's really what this text is about as Paul opens it up. He's talking about the spirit. He's talking about unity. He's talking about being of the same mind. He's talking about having fellowship together, comforting one another, taking care of one another. And it's really the one another ministry. When you look at it in a topical form, it would be about one another. Because we are the body of Christ with Christ as the head. And every one of us should be concerned with the same things. The number one thing is souls of mankind. It's not our bank account and the interest that it draws. The number one thing is the souls of mankind. And when the body of Christ, that's you and me and all the pieces, are all looking to glorify God, lift up Jesus, be led by the Spirit, and save other souls by telling them the good news of the gospel and walking it out in front of them, then we're of the same mind. Then we're of the same interest. And then we're looking at the same things together instead of just our own selfish, vain glory looking to make a name for ourselves, which is what we see today in the, in the spirit of the world. We see it today in the spirit of the church. We're only concerned about our number one best-selling book, our number one best-selling sermons, our number one, whatever you fill in the blank. We got you an eight-part series here. We're ready to sell it to you. But what about the lives of the people? What about the souls of mankind? And really, this is what I, I, I have an entire text I'd like to tell you about, but I I'm going to try to keep this short um, because I promised I would. So let's just read here quickly. Uh, it starts in chapter 1. It starts in chapter 1, verse 27. I'm going to read quickly, and I want you to see this because... You know, Paul learned these things by experience as he is led by the Holy Spirit, as he goes through the fire and, and, and the Holy Spirit teaches him he can trust God. But he had to step out and start going in order for that to happen. He can't sit on the couch. You can't continue to believe the world and follow the world. And he says this in 127, only let your conduct, and in King James, it's your conversation. Listen to me. Only let your conversation, and it means to behave as a citizen. It means to, how you live, to administer in civil affairs. Let your life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now think about it. You talk about all you want, the good news of Christ. Christ laid down his life. God in heaven got up, came down, took flesh, died for his creation. So that whether I come and see you, whether he sees you doing it, 
or I'm absent, I may hear of your affairs, testimony, that's hearing, he hears a testimony of what they're doing, that you stand fast in one spirit. Notice that. This is unity. This is where he begins the unity. One spirit with one mind. Listen, because the spirit's going to give us all one mind, the mind of Christ. The Spirit's not going to give you a mind to go do something that Christ doesn't want to do. The Spirit's not going to lead you to take care of yourself and ignore everybody else. The Spirit of God is leading all of us to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow Him. To put, our, put, put other people before us. That's what the Spirit of God is doing because it's the self-same Spirit. When you look at what God has done or doing or going to do, when you look at what Jesus did, is doing, or is going to do, when you look at what the Spirit has did, is doing or going to do all of them are the same it's one mind it's one heart it's one spirit it's one plan of salvation for the souls of mankind it's all in perfect unity but the hard part is is we have flesh and we have to choose to die to self and surrender to the work of the spirit who will give us the one mind to get into the word of god and to begin to be concerned about the interest of others and it has to start with dying to self it is when our eyes are going, yeah, but they don't smell good. Yeah, but they don't dress right. Yeah, but they don't like what I like. Yeah, but they don't do what I like. Yeah, but they're not. That, all those things, that's flesh. The Spirit of God is working on dis saving and discipling souls, sanctifying and setting them apart, washing and cleansing them. So when we have the Spirit of God leading us, there's going to be unity with the plan of God. There's going to be unity. One mind, or excuse me, one spirit with one mind striving. This is a struggle. This is the working together for the faith of the gospel so that others will trust in the good news. And not in any way, listen to this, because suffering is going to come. If Jesus doesn't take us home real soon, suffering most definitely will come to the church in America. It's everywhere else in the world. But he says, and not in any way, not in any way, terrified by your adversaries, which is, watch this evidence, to them proof of perdition, proof of judgment, proof of death, proof of spiritual, physical, and eternal damnation. See, when you have no fear, we, we, we've, re, again, we've renamed. You've got to be careful. We've renamed, just like we've renamed all the sin and we've gave it new psychological and sociological names. Well, we've renamed fear, and we call it anxiety. We call it all kinds of other things, stress. We call it, but it's really, it, it's something where you're not at peace, you're not at rest, and you're afraid something's going to happen Instead of surrendering to God and trusting God and walking in the will of God and being led by the Spirit of God and having the mind of God to do the work of God. And so fear can, can look like a whole bunch of different things. It can be anxiety. It can, it, it, these things are from fear. But we give them new names and new titles and new things to think about. But we are not supposed to be... Um, terrified by our adversaries and it's proof to them it's evidence of damnation but it's to you and me 
when we have no fear because we understand our position. We understand our place. See, Paul had just told them uh, uh, that he was hard-pressed, and he wanted to, it's up in verse uh, 25, for I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart to be with Christ, which is far better Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. Do you hear that? Listen to me. That was 25, uh, verse 25 and 26. No, 24 and 25. 23, 24, and 25. Yes. Listen, because he knew and understood that to get across the finish line and to be with Christ is the end of the race. It's not a thing to look forward to and go, oh no, I'm afraid I might die. This is where we want to be, is in the presence of Almighty God. But in the church today, we're all scared to death we're going to die. We're terrified of the adversary. We're still terrified of death. And death has no, I mean, death has no sting anymore. It's been, it's been destroyed by life with Christ. Death is taken away. But we don't understand our identity. We don't understand the work of God. We don't understand the salvation of God. We don't understand what He has done. We were reading, if you're reading with us, you were reading in Daniel. I'm not going to go there. I would like to go there. It's Daniel 3.16. You'll see Nebuchadnezzar... Uh, said when you hear the horn, when you hear the, 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 the uh, uh, instruments playing, when you hear the music playing, we were talking about that, me and Michael, just about the music playing, because the music is what leads us astray. Now, I want you to bow down and worship this image that I've created. And if you don't bow down, anybody that doesn't bow down, they're going to be cast into the fire. Okay? You know what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said? Now, Daniel wasn't there. We don't know where he was at. Daniel means... God is my judge. But the three boys, and if you go look at that, you can go look at it later in Daniel 3.16. It doesn't say Shadrach said and Daniel said or, or Meshach said. It says, and they answered. There was one mind, one spirit. They were unity at the same time. They all knew their identity. And they said, oh, we're sorry, O king. But we need not even answer you because if it's a, a concern of bowing down to some other God, we're not bowing down. I'm paraphrasing we are not going to bow down because our God is able. I'm going to do a sermon on able. It's everywhere. Our God is able. And if he does not save us, we still will not bow down. You'll have to cast us into the fire. They were of one mind. They were in unity because of the spirit of God. Because they knew the word of God and their place with God. And they knew they trusted God and everything else was a lie. They were not going to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar and his image and this world or this government or something else except for the will of God. And you go look at the theme of that. They wouldn't eat their food. They wouldn't eat their delicacies. They wouldn't be tempted by what they were doing. They were trusting God. And what happens? Oh, Greg, you know what happens. Don't you guys know the testimony? They played the music. They didn't bow down. They had their bravest men come and get them. And they stoked the fire seven times hotter. And when they threw them into the fire, the men that threw them in died. Oh, don't worry. You roll a stone, it'll be rolled back on you. 
the one world government, it will die. They're trying to throw us into a fire. God uses the fire to purify us. God uses suffering to purify us. God purposely uses that. He allows that to burn out the dross in our life because he loves us. And instantly the king said, wait a minute. It wasn't like it waited for a long time. It wasn't like there was, uh, let's go get a sandwich. But instantly the testimony is the king instantly notices and says, hey, didn't we throw three men in there? There's, there? there's three men in there walking around, and they don't look like they're bothered by the fire, and yet there's another one there that looks like the Son of God with them. Listen to me. Do you know God is with you? Listen, this is the unity. This is the one mind. This is the spirit. This is the consolation, the comfort. This is the walking worthy. Do we know that God is with us? Paracletus. The Holy Spirit is with us. It dwells in us. And they're of one mind. They didn't need anybody else to tell them not to bow down. They didn't need anybody else to testify of what to do. They were serving the one true God. And they get promoted, actually, in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, even though Nebuchadnezzar doesn't. He says, oh, there's no God like this God, and my gods aren't this good, and he still believes in his own false gods. And that's like a lot of Christians today. They'll say they know God and they believe in God and they love God and, they, and they're married to God and they're going to heaven, but they've got all these other gods in their life that they're really trusting in and turning to and chasing instead of trusting in God and saying, your word is enough, what you said is enough. And you, if you go back and look at Daniel, it's, 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 a, it's really a picture of the one world government and, and the Antichrist kingdom. That is mimicking God. It even says his word went out. Nebuchadnezzar's word went out. Just like God sent his word to heal the land. His word became flesh. The Father's word became flesh. Isn't that in one of the songs we sing here? Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. Oh, come let us adore him. Word of the Father, now in flesh. God said he sent his word to heal the land. And yet, we want to listen to somebody else's word. Sorry, I told you we couldn't do this in 10 minutes. So, we're not supposed to be afraid of the people of this world that are flesh because we know we're spirits and they cannot overcome us because Christ is a life-giving spirit. They cannot defeat us. To kill us, we are with Christ. But we need to be walking in the spirit, listening to what God would say to us, Because the Spirit of God is going to take the Word of God and lead us in the plan of God or in the will of God for the glory of God. So he says this, it's proof of perdition to them and of salvation. And where does it come from? That from God. Safety is the word. That from God. For to you it has been, here you go, this gets good. For to you it has been given. It has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in Him. I believe! Listen, but if you believe, guess what's going to happen? You're going to suffer for his sake. To suffer for his sake. That's what it says right there. It's been granted. It's part of your inheritance. It's what you've been given. And there's two people, those that have received it and it's been given to them, 
or those listening in Acts 3.14, listen to what it says. But you denied the Holy One and asked that a murderer, Barabbas, be granted, be given to you. That's what the nation of Israel did. You can, be, you can receive, it's the same word given. Over here, it's again in 2.9, it's the same word given. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. That means his authority, his character, his nature, his will. Everything, that name, the name of Jesus, one day every knee will bow. Why? Because he obeyed God. He obeyed the Father. That's what it said. He learned obedience. Even obedience to the point of death on a cross. Sorry, let's get back. So, if we have salvation, and if we uh, are walking worthy of the gospel of Christ, we should be of one spirit, one mind, and we've been given, or it's been granted to us to suffer... For his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here is in me. So they saw in Macedonia, in Philippi, they saw Paul and Silas arrested, taken to jail, put in the prison. Then they saw him released. They saw him chastise the city leaders because he wasn't terrified. He wasn't afraid. He had the spirit of God. He was in the will of God. And he spoke to them so that the rest of the city could continue to live for God. And he says, and you know it's now in me because this letter's coming from prison. So he's arrested again for the same day, for the gospel, for putting Christ first. And then we get to, and I'm sorry, I would like to stay longer and tarry with this thought. Therefore, verse or chapter 2, verse 1, if there is any consolation... If there is any comfort, solace, exhortation, the word means a calling near. What is the word? It's a paraclesis. Paracletus is the Holy Spirit, but this word, if there's any consolation, is paraclesis. I like it. If there's any comfort, paramytheon. See, all these have to come alongside and come from the Holy Spirit. There's no way to have one spirit without the Holy Spirit. There's no way to have one mind. There's no way to be in the same thing, the same mind and the same body together unless we all have the same spirit. And that's the spirit of God, which Jesus sent back. He prayed the Father and said um, he would not leave us as orphans. He would come to us. So if there's any consolation, if there's any comfort of love, agape, benevolence, if any fellowship, koinonia, means having all things in common. See, this is the early church. This is the body of Christ. There shouldn't be so much division if we all have the same spirit and the same mind looking for the same interest. And it's the interest of God is so that we would walk worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that we would be concerned about souls, concerned about one another and others. Fellowship means to have all things in common. It's the word koinonia. Fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded. See, if we all have the same Spirit, why is there so much division among us? Why are we all running in so many different directions? 
Why are we being led in places that it has nothing to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Why are we chasing our own American dream? Why are we living in a way like we are, have to have it today instead of resting in Christ and being led by the Spirit of God and coming together as one body and saying, how can we go out and struggle for the souls of mankind? That's what we should be doing. In prayer, we should be struggling for souls. What do we do? We pray for our stuff. Are we praying for souls? Are we finding the heart of God by the Spirit of God who leads us, praying in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication? Paul just wants his joy to be full. Oh, by the way, joy, what's the acrostic? Listen, if you want to have joy in your life, you want to have peace in your life, you're going to put Jesus first. Jesus, then others, the one another ministry, and then yourself. When self is dead and in the grave, you're going to have joy. And we all pick up self and run off. We all think we need to do these things, but it must be Jesus first. Others and then yourself. But what is the world got us doing? Yourself. 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 When do we ever get to others? When do we get to the will of God? When do we get to the things that we're called to do? Because we're dead men walking. Because our life, when Christ appears, our life will appear with him. We're dead. We've been bought by the precious blood of Jesus. We are not our own. I had so many texts I wanted to go to. We're not going to go to them. I'm just going to uh, just keep looking at this. Because we've got to get to our verse. Paul wants his joy to be fulfilled. He's in prison. He's fine there. Can you imagine that? They Because in prison, what they do, they put him in a little room. They really didn't have a prison. They, they, he could stay at a house in the city, and they would chain a guard to him. And they would unchain the guard. And people could bring stuff to him, but he was really, he wasn't allowed to move. His freedom was taken. But he had these guys chained to him. Can you imagine being chained to Paul, the apostle? And in one testimony, in one letter, he says all of, uh, 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 all, all of the, uh, Caesar's household is being saved. I mean, because they're all listening to the gospel. And, if you, and it's the will of God, and they hear the word of God, and they surrender to it, they come to the salvation of God. So he wants you to fill, fulfill his joy. Do you, can you imagine how much it fulfills God's joy when we are like-minded? When we have the same goal in life, and that is to see souls saved. When the body of Christ goes out with the head, Christ, the Holy Spirit leading us, and we go out saying, who do I talk to? How do I share? What do I want? And we trust him, and we just speak the oracles of God. Not because of who we are, but because of who God is that lives in us. And we're dead, so he's alive in us, gushing out. Having the same love, this is all unity, being of one accord, I think I have to read that one. I'm skipping over a bunch of these words. Um, one accord, listen to this, co-spirited, not co-conspirators, you know, like people who conspire to do something, but co-spirited. We have the same spirit, united in spirit, one spirit by the Holy Spirit. That's what accord means here, one accord, co-spirited. 
of one mind. It means to be mentally disposed to the same direction. Let nothing be done. How much is nothing? Through selfish ambition. It actually, in the, in the King James, is let nothing be done through strife. Faction, contentions. In this time, when this text was written in New Testament times, it meant self-seeking the pursuit of a political office by unfair means. Let nothing be done that way. Not looking to be lifted up or have an office or a political office with unfair means. So you're abiding by the rules. That's what this meant by strife. Or vainglory, conceit. Let nothing be done by strife or vain glory. And vain glory is empty glory. It's, it's empty pride. It's self-conceited. Only about self. Only what I want to do. Only what I need to get done. But, contrast, in lowliness, humble opinion of oneself, modesty, humiliation of mind, do what? Esteem others better than themselves. Esteem others better than himself. Now listen, listen about that for a minute, because if we would love our neighbor as ourselves, if we would esteem others, the word means to, to count or think or consider, to lead them out in front. If we would esteem others better than ourselves, the ground would be level at the cross the way it's supposed to be. There would be no Nicolaitans where there's some people up here and some people down there. Everybody would be evil. Because if everybody had the same spirit, the same mind, uh, everybody would be equal. We'd all be equal because we'd all be esteeming the next person. No matter what they look like, no matter what they said, no matter what they did. Now this is imperfection of the spirit. And this is in oneness of mind. If we would esteem others greater than ourselves and not have a high opinion of ourselves to where we look down on someone, which we're all guilty of, but in lowliness of mind, and then we get to our text. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Now listen, I was going to go over to Peter, and, and he talks about not being a busybody. He talks about not getting into affairs of other people's. These are two different thoughts. See, when we're the same spirit, we invite people to counsels. We invite people to speak. And we invite people to say, I, you know, I got some holes in my armor, some chinks in my armor. There's things that can get in that I don't see. It's like standing over somebody playing a chess game. You're going to see things that others can't see. And so you begin to pray for them. You begin to be concerned about them. And, and it's not interest. It's, it's looking out for them. Not looking out for what they're interested in. Because, see, that's, I don't like the new King James in this. What does your King James say, Ray? Verse 4. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. It says things. Now listen, listen to me. Because it's not busybody. It's not getting into somebody. And, it, and then when it has the word interest there, it's like, well, this is what they're interested in. I'll go be interested in what they're being interested in. They could be interested in the wrong thing. That's not the point. 
We're looking to disciple one another, to counsel one another, to have all things in common, to help one another walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh because their interest is your interest. When I go to work, my body, my whole body wants to show up and it's in the best interest of my body that I put shoes on. It's in the best interest, so I've got to have my feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. It's in the best interest of my whole body, if it's cold outside, that I have a coat on. See, and so these is what he's talking about, what is good for the rest of the body. So sometimes it might be good when you really look at the text to rebuke somebody for them not doing the right thing. Because he says in James, James says, on some have compassion, others save with fear, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. So when you're looking out for somebody's interest, it means we're counseling one another. We're taking care of one another. We're reminding one another that we're all the same body of the same mind, the same spirit. And our focus should be to go and share the gospel so that souls would be saved. Because there's only one ministry, the ministry of reconciliation of souls. So the text kind of looks like, oh, when we're looking at, let's help them with their interest. Listen, if your interest is, is baseball... Then that's, I'm not going to help you with that. The only way I'm going to help you with that is tell you, hey, quit wasting your time. Grow up. It's time to get involved in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when you go back to what we were talking about earlier, the Bible tells us, because remember, it's a marriage. You can say you believe, but believe is the beginning of our, of our run and our race that, that, that we can finish and cross the finish line and hear, well done, a good, faithful, good and faithful servant. Now we need to learn to love God. If you love me, keep my commandments. He says, obey me. Learn what he says. Learn what he's doing. Learn all of that. And you grow in love as you grow in relationship, as you step out and you go through suffering and pain, and you begin to apply what you learn, then you're going to grow in love and see that God comes alongside and provides. And then his faith in, his, his faith in him is perfect. He's always going to be there to take care of you. So it becomes that marriage that we're talking about. And that's the place that he sets it up at. Back at marriage. Back at family. Back at obedience. Back at learning authority. But you know in the church today, you can't see something in somebody's life and say anything. You can't question it. And I do believe we need to question it right. I do believe we need to say please and thank you. And we need to be remembering that, that you don't want to lose the ear or you don't want to cut off their ear as Peter did in the garden. You want them to keep listening. But when people are just downright stubborn and rebellious and they don't want to listen to the Holy Spirit and you try to rebuke them or you try to share in love something that you see in their life, then, then, then if you re, uh, uh, rebuke a... Um, What's the same Proverbs? If you rebuke a scoffer, you will reap it yourself. See, so you need the Holy Spirit to let you know when and how, and you need to be praying about it if you're trying to help somebody in their walk with God. If you're trying to help them with their things, it's not like, oh, wow, you got some things going on. Let me give you a couple hundred bucks and maybe we'll fix them. No, 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 no. We're talking about spiritual things, spiritual growth. And see, the church today at large, the apostate church, wants to give a whole bunch of food and a whole bunch of money and a whole bunch of clothing and ignore the soul of man. They think that their problem will get better if they have more stuff. More stuff is not the answer. It's Jesus. 
And I'm not saying don't feed the poor. I'm not saying don't clothe the, the, the naked. I'm not saying don't take care of the prisoner. But if you don't give them Jesus, you've just wasted every bit of the thing because they need their things is that they need to know Jesus. Their thing that we need to be helping look out for is that they need a relationship with Jesus. Their thing that they need to know is that they need to forgive and have mercy and grace. Their thing that they need to know is that they need to be able to stand on their own in their faith by the Spirit of God and not be terrified in front of their adversaries so that they can be a witness to the true power of God in the family of God. And we don't have that. We have a whole bunch of religious programs where people are following programs and men and they're not being led by the Spirit. And we need to wake up and cry out for God to bring an awakening in our hearts so we can go out and act like men. We can go out and act like saints. We can go out and live like people who have been redeemed. And those people aren't perfect, believe me. Redeemed people ain't perfect. There's no perfect people on the planet. They're going to make mistakes. And when they make mistakes, it should not make you hate them, turn from them. You should be biblical in what you do to them and how you deal with them because you're going to make the same mistake someday. You're going to make the same mistake. So if you judge them harshly, you judge them wrongly, guess what's coming? Reaping what you sow. It's going to come back and bite you. So you want to be the most like God, and that's when you give grace and mercy. You get, that's, what, that's what I love about God is his grace and mercy. He waited. He was long-suffering. Listen to me. And then he goes on to talk about verse 5, and you can see, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I can't finish the book. But I want you to understand that we need to find the mind of God, right? Where's that at, Greg? It's the word of God. He spoke and sent his word. He's telling us what, what's on your mind. Just tell me really what's on your mind. Here it is, 66 books. We're going to go through some suffering. There's going to be an enemy. There's going to be attack. But even the devil is God's devil. He can't do anything to you. He's been defeated. He has no power over you. Your choices is the power over you. Your free will choices is the power over you. You On one side, you can choose devil and sin and the world. On the other side, you can choose life and godliness and the power of the spirit, which there's no sin in it. And somehow we live right in the middle. And we carry this flesh around. And our eyes are upon ourselves so much, we don't care about the interests or the things of others. But everything that happens to you, everything that's going on with you, affects the rest of the body of Christ. It affects them. That's why it's so important to understand that what you say and do and think and be and how you act, somebody's watching. And it affects others, just like my body. You can't mess up my arm and it not affect the rest of my body. Now I've got to walk around and use this arm. Because the arm is missing over here. It's hurt over here. It's in a sling over here. It's damaged over here. It, it's a perfect analogy. Yet at the church, we just go, I'm doing what I want, when I want, how I want. And you're not the boss of me. Don't judge me, man. That's not the way I read it, Greg. Okay. Good. Fine. Have at it. I'm going to keep telling you that's what it says. There's one spirit. There's one God. 
one father of us all. The Bible says you believe that, you do well. The demons believe and tremble. They're, they're not in love with God. They're not obeying God. They're not looking to do the will of God. I don't know if you guys have looked, but it's dark out there. And people are under delusion. People are under delusion. And they like their sin. Because flesh and blood like sin. And sin is good for a season, but it will always end in death. It will always end in death. Death of something. Death of something. May not be the death of your salvation, but it will be death somewhere. So, as we take a little break uh, during this Christmas period where we look at the birth of Jesus Christ, uh, I want you to think about where your eyes are at. See, because everybody's got the gift of receiving right now. What are you getting me for Christmas? What are you getting me for Christmas? We're not thinking about the greatest gift that was ever given. But we've got the gift of receiving. And we're only worried about what I'm going to get, where I'm going to go, what I'm going to do, how I'm going to receive it. Did I get a bonus? Did I get this? What is going on with me? And this is what the world and the spirit of the Antichrist trains us to do. But what about people out there that needs things, that really need things? They're hungry. They don't have enough to pay their bills. They can't survive. Oh, oh, you're talking about physical things? No, I was talking about spiritual things. They are going to go to hell. See, because that's when the mind automatically goes, doesn't it? We go to physical. And God's already up here. He's talking about spiritual things. But the church will go, yeah, but if we don't take care of their physical needs, we'll never get to talk to them about spiritual. Where's that at in the Bible? It's just not there. Yes, you help people. Yes, you take care of people. But we want to speak to them about the spiritual things. Because it's the spirit that matters most. It's what they're going to do, where they're going to live. So love would tell them the truth. So as we go through this period of time that the world tells us you should be worried about getting gifts and you should be worried about keeping up the Joneses and if somebody gives you a gift, you oh, you got to give them one back and boy, now i got to get everybody on my list and all of this pressure comes on us and we forget about the greatest gift that was ever given, which is what we really need to pass on to our children, to our neighbors, to everybody else is this greatest gift ever given. While we're going through that time, I want you to think about that. What interest are you interested in? What things are you interested in? Where are you putting your heart at, saints? Is it Christ, the mind of Christ, where he come off the throne and came down to die for others? He was only concerned with everybody else. If he was concerned with himself, he was already perfect. He was already sitting on the throne. He already had a kingdom. He already had all the authority. Proven by John 17. Restore me where I was once before. He didn't gain nothing. He was already that. He already had all authority. He was already perfectly obedient. He already had the entire inheritance. He's God Almighty. So I want you to also look at this because we're going to be looking at um, in the new year the thought of Philippians 3.13 this is a book of joy 
And this is your scripture memory verse for the new year. We will look at it on the 13th of January. Brethren and sistering, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Listen, as we think about where our interests have been, as we think about how we've been living our Christian life, as we think about what's been motivating us, as we think about how we haven't been uh, uh, selfless, but we've been selfish, we can also think about that nobody's apprehended. And one thing that we do is that we stop looking back and we start looking ahead, onward and upward with Christ Jesus, looking where our citizenship is at, looking how we're supposed to be going and growing, and helping others with their things. Philippians 3.13 for the coming year. Ask the Holy Spirit what he would say to the church. See, because that's what we're supposed to be doing. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit would say to the church. And the Spirit would tell us to go and understand the one another ministry. Be led by him. And to look out for other people's things. Not as a busybody. But as one that is genuinely concerned about the spiritual growth of other people. And how our decisions affect them and everything that we do. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for um, Paul's testimony, Lord. That he could be in prison and still write a book of joy to others. Lord, can we have that joy and gladness like um, we know that is given when we trust you and believe? That John, the grace of God, Jonathan, when he is born, will bring joy and gladness to others. So, Lord, we want that joy. We want that gladness. We want that peace. And we want to go and do your will. Not be hearers, uh, but be doers of your work. Pour out your spirit, Lord. Have your way with us. In Jesus' name, amen.